Welcome back, everybody. Doug Flutie here. This is the Flutie Flakes cast. Thank you for joining me and listening in. Uh, this week's guest will be Herschel Walker. Herschel and I go way back to USFL days. I got a little of my USFL gear on. I got my Jersey General's hat, my USFL jersey uh, or T-shirt, actually. And actually, in April, the USFL is coming back for spring football. Uh, and, and the cool thing about that is the familiar cities to these people that that supported the league years ago, that hopefully there is a loyalty base right away and that it can kick off and run efficiently from the beginning. Herschel, obviously a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Alabama, Georgia coming up this week. He'll have his views on all that. For now, though, let's let's take a look at the NFL weekend and, and what went on and my takeaways from the weekend. The number one thing uh, off the top, Big Ben finishing up in Pittsburgh with a win, having a chance to go back out on the field right at the end for a kneel down and have the ball in his hands. A very emotional day. Uh, obviously, he didn't light it up throwing the ball, and he's been inconsistent this year throwing the football but they ran the ball so well and uh, he makes them competitive. And I loved watching Ben play through all these years. I do get jealous of the guys that are able to play their whole career in one city and build that loyalty and have that relationship with the city. I have that kind of relationship with the Boston community because of my college years more than anything and a handful of years with the Patriots. But uh, it's just fun to see and amazing to see a guy stay in one city his whole career and have a legacy like Big Ben has. When I picture him, what I picture about it, not so much, you know, we talk about guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady that throw the ball in rhythm on time, the ball's in and out, you know, quick passing game. Ben was one of these guys that would hold on to the football, move around a little bit, have guys draped all over him, still stand there firm with a guy hanging on and throw the ball 45 yards downfield and hit the big play. He was a big play guy firing the ball up the field and a tough, hard-nosed quarterback. I wish him all the best after football, but it was great to see him finish it up with a win in Pittsburgh over the weekend, Cincinnati, the Bengals chiefs game was amazing down to the wire, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes going back and forth. It's so fun to watch that kind of a football game, but I just, I can't get over the fact that you get down there fourth and goal at the one, a field goal to take the lead with under two minutes ago, a minute and change. I understand the mentality. Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the field. He can take the ball the length of the field. You don't want to leave him time. You want to try to stick this in the end zone for a touchdown. So the decision's made to go for it on fourth down. I can understand that decision. You go all the way back to Indianapolis versus New England Patriots playoff game, Manning, Brady. New England going for a fourth and one and deep in their own end. Uh, I believe it was early in the fourth because you're afraid of what the other guy is doing with the ball offensively and that your defense isn't going to stop it. It comes down to this for Cincinnati. Do you have more confidence in fourth and one or your defense keeping Patrick Mahomes from going 80 yards with under two minutes to play? Obviously, they feel fourth and one. So they go for it. They get bailed out on a call and it winds up being uh, offsetting penalties. So they reline for fourth down. Now, Kick the darn field goal. All right. You gave it your shot. You didn't get it. Kick the field. Now that's double down. We're going to double down on the fourth and one. Again, they run a play that uh, there is a definite defensive holding and a grab, but you may not get that call and you wind up getting a fortunate call and getting another opportunity, which creates a first down, which allows you to kneel down, run the clock down, kick the field goal on the last play of the game and you win the game. The second time going for it, I don't agree with because you've already called the play that you wanted to run in that situation. Uh, it was defended well. Defense is gaining confidence now. The defense has already stuffed you two, two, three times down on the goal line before this. 
Now they stop their fourth down play. You get a fortunate penalty call. You got bailed out. Go kick the field goal. I think Cincinnati was very, very lucky to, to walk away winning that game in regulation. If you take your run at it, you decide to kick the field goal and allow your defense to go out on the field and win the game for you. But it's going to be fun to see that play out throughout the playoffs and where uh, I'll tell you, Patrick Mahomes is playing well again. Uh, Kansas City looks like they may be the team to beat now in the AFC. That being said, we move on to Tampa Bay and, and my favorite guy, Tom Brady, in the fo- fourth quarter and uh, you know, struggling against the Jets. Now, number one, he's got a receiver out. He's got Godwin out. He had the issues that went on with Antonio Brown. I'll address that in a second. Uh, so you're down receivers, and yet you get the ball in your hands with no timeouts, and you got to go to the length of the field. And he nickels and dimes until he sees the opportunity. I think the, the key, he had one big play for the touchdown at the end. But other than that, it was just underneath stuff. The key to this, and I'm still learning things about two minute. It's amazing that I played for 21 years. I've watched football since I was five years old. I love the two minute situational stuff. He hit the short passes and that James Lawton and I talked about this last week. You get that first first down and it kind of creates momentum. OK, that's a positive thing offensively. It's a momentum thing. offensively. But what it does more than anything else, and it showed with the Jets defensively, it slows down the pass rush. Instead of running up in situations where Tom could have spiked the ball, there were some situations where they picked up a first down and he goes up, he could have spiked. He doesn't spike the ball. He calls another offensive play. Why? Because it doesn't allow the defense to substitute. There's no one going in and out. There's no fresh pass rushers. And on finally, by the time they get across midfield, they are gassed on defense. There's no pass rush on the quarterback. Tom now has time. He runs four vertical, he drops back, four vertical routes, takes his time, looks a safety off, pumps a seam, and then turns down the right rail and drills a shot for the touchdown from about 40 yards out. I'm not sure what it was. But the, the, what made that drive happen was getting the first couple of first downs. You wear the defense out. You get the defensive pass rush tired. You don't allow them to substitute. So many quarterbacks will run up on a first down play and just spike the ball. Tom is very good at getting the play called right away, communicating to his guys and not wasting that down, but more importantly, keeping that defense on the field. They get tired out. So when the time came, he had plenty of time to stand there, move people around with his eyes and do a drill shot down the rail for a touchdown. Absolutely amazing. And doing it with limited talent at receiver, which is going to be their challenge now going into the playoffs. The whole Antonio Brown thing, uh, it's absolutely amazing to me. The guy's gotten chance after chance after chance. And maybe there's issues that we don't know about. Maybe there's issues where he needs to get some help. That being said, all you can do is take it for face value on the field of what's going on. And as a player, all the time, you know, Tom Brady has this man in arena uh, stuff coming out and all the film or or the show. And it shows how hard Tom works in the offseason. And all the players, how much effort goes into a football season. And how much goes into winning a football game? Because teams that are losing football games are putting just as much time and effort into it. That you have all your season riding. Are you going to trust a guy that is as volatile as Antonio Brown? You just can't trust. Uh, It's a shame. The guy got opportunity after opportunity. You know, then after the fact, I I guess it came out, Arians asked him to go back out on the field twice. He said twice he was injured, which is, Uh, I think a farce because you saw Antonio ripping the shirt off. You saw him dancing across the end zone, waving his hands, moving around. Didn't look like a guy that was injured to me as the way his body language was. Um, 
you know, and I, I go back to, to looking at Chris Godwin getting injured a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure he's sitting back wishing he could be on the field right now in a situation where they're making a, they're going to make a playoff run. They're going to have an opportunity to maybe go for a Super Bowl. He would love to be there for his teammates, yet he physically can't do it. Here's a guy in Antonio Brown, all the athleticism in the world, giving so many opportunities. Things are handed to him on a silver platter and he walks away from it. It's got to kill a guy like Chris Godwin sitting on the sideline and uh, wishing he could get out on the field. And those are the guys you want by your side. Those are the guys. I'll take a guy with limited ability that I can trust like the back of my hand over somebody with, with all the gifts in the world. I wish Antonio Brown luck. I, I got to know him a few years back and he's an engaging guy personally, you know, off the field. He's got the biggest smile in the world. He's fun to be around all that. Um, but there's just only so many selfish things you can do and get second chances. So I, I believe we've seen the last of Antonio Brown on a football field. I, I wish the Tampa Bay Bucks all the luck in the world. You know, it's amazing how Tom figures out a way to get it done still and move the football and continue to do it. So they'll figure it out. They'll get through it. They'll get Fournette back and maybe they'll still make a good run. Uh, coming up this week, Alabama, Georgia for a national championship, uh, a rematch of it's amazing how Nick Saban, uh, got his guys up for Georgia the first time around. Georgia looking like a world beater, the best defense in the country and everything else. Uh, and Alabama just went in and took care of business against them. I'm sure we'll see a different Georgia football team. Out of this matchup, the thing that I love, Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winner, I'd say that you've got to see Alabama as the favorite. Uh, showed himself down the end of the, the game against Auburn and, and managed to find a way to win a game when they didn't play well. And then also plays lights out at times, and, and it's got his team in the national championship. On the other side, Stetson Bennett as a quarterback. Story I absolutely love. I just have a soft spot in my heart for the guys that have to keep fighting for their opportunities to get somewhere. I, I met him. He was a walk-on freshman running scout team, just running around, and we went to uh, cover a Notre Dame-Georgia game. And he was a big Doug Flutie fan and wore number 22 in high school and all that. He was wearing 22 at the time uh, for Georgia. It's just, I looked at him as Jesus guy's small. He can't throw the ball. He's, he's a little bit athletic. He can move around. He can do this. And he's turned himself into a quarterback. He, he transfers, he goes to a JC, gets stronger, comes back to Georgia. Now the starting quarterback, now leading them to a national championship run and playing against Alabama in a national championship game. He's, I, I feel he's limited in some of the things he can do. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. He's a game manager type quarterback. I just hope things go well for him. I'm rooting for him. It's really, it's just fun for me to see those guys that work their tail off, have an idea of what they want and go after it. He's put himself in a position and uh, I wish him all the best. All right. Well, remember you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Coming up next, good buddy of mine, Herschel Walker, who just, he's the number one bulldog in my book. Um, I still don't know how he didn't win the Heisman as a freshman, but back then you took a few years to get people's attention. He didn't win it until his junior year, but his freshman year, winning a national championship with Georgia, doing everything. And uh, he's throwing his hat in the political arena now as well. Just an amazing guy, had a great career in the NFL as well. Coming up next, Herschel Walker. <laughs> Well, now I'm really excited to bring in a close friend, guy that I've, I've been friends with for over 30 years, 35 years. We go back to USFL days, uh, Mr. Herschel Walker. Herschel is what? 
let's let's go back for a second. Freshman All-American at Georgia. National Championship freshman year. Should have won the Heisman that year, Hirsch. Didn't win it until your junior year for whatever reason. I don't know why. Goes on a USFL teammate and then a great NFL career and so on and so forth. Now running for Senate, actually, in Georgia. We'll get to that, too. Uh, Hirsch, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing well. I tell you what, I'm doing well. Either Georgia beat Michigan, uh, you know, it made me. Uh, walk a little taller. So I'm straightening up and walking a little taller right now. It's hard to walk tall as we get older. I got to keep arching my back and throw it up. I, I'm all of, I was all of five, nine and a half before. I'm probably about five, eight now. I'm bent well, I'm, I'm, I'm taller because they told me how to stand up straight now. You know, since I'm running for office, I got to stand up straight and look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll touch on that at the top since it came up. I mean, uh, congratulations on the opportunity. And it sounds like things are going successful. How's uh, yeah, Herschel, for those that don't know, is running for Senate in Georgia? It's going well. You know, Doug, and you, well, you know me. You know me better than anyone. And I say I think this is the best thing I've done in my life because, you know, I worked with the military for 17 years. I've been at a base every three weeks, and I always talk about sacrificing. And right now, going around the towns and the counties in Georgia and seeing how I can give some of the people hope that you can put someone in office that can uh, that's not afraid to fight. Because you know I'm not afraid to fight. I'm not afraid to be by myself. So I don't just go alone to get alone. I try to do what's right. So I, I'm 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 looking forward to it. That's all, uh, you're not afraid to fight. You jump in the ring of the MMA. Yeah. How, the, how the heck did you decide to do that? I knew you were you were a black belt, aren't you? I am. I, I was a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, you know, I got my black belt while I was in Dallas playing for the Cowboys. Uh, and I started martial arts when I was in college. You know, I used to play on Saturdays. I went to church Sunday morning. I fought in martial arts tournaments Sunday afternoon. So martial arts was always something I always loved. And when they put rules and regulation into the MMA world, I remember looking at it and go, wow, man, I love to do that. And I sort of took myself into training. I took myself into training like I'm training myself to get ready and stuff. And and I happened to uh, find Bob Cook and uh, a guy by the name of Scott Coker, who at the time were head of uh, – uh, Scott and I are doing Bellator, and and Scott told me to uh, come to California to do what they call a matchmaker bout. And I had to fight five guys in five different disciplines. And I ended up doing so well that he said, if I uh, promise to go to a camp, he'll get me a fight. So I went out to AKA, one of the best gyms in the world, and I was out there for a year, almost a year before I got my first fight. I trained six days a week, almost nine days uh, a, a day, nine, nine hours a day, before my first fight, and I trained for a year just like that, and I got my first fight, absolutely loved it. Then I wanted to fight more, and, and I wanted to fight more, but I forgot that I have a company. You know, I started this company that was doing well, and, and I do. I love the mixed martial arts. I love what what is going on in the mixed martial arts world. It's hard, though. I'll tell you what, Doug, that's one of the hardest things I've done. I want no part of it. I, I say I always say this about I put on pads for 35 years from the time I was eight years old till I was 43. And I still haven't hit anyone. I got hit a few times. Well, you know, it's so funny. In MMA, I can guarantee you will get hit. You will get hit. <laughs> well, your toughness has never been questioned. So we were talking about Georgia. Let's go to Georgia. Georgia's uh, in the national championship. What were your uh, going into now? They got their tail kicked by Alabama early on or, you know, in the in the championship game. But go, so going into the Michigan game, what did you what were you thinking? Were, did you think they were that that good that they were going to take care of business or what? I did. I thought they were going to take care of business. And, you know, behind the scenes, you know, I was telling everyone Georgia was going to beat Alabama. And I knew it was going to be tough. 
and I, I was telling my close friends, Georgia's going to get killed by Alabama because I hate to say it, I thought they were, they were really eating that rat poison. I thought what Coach uh, Saban talked about eating that rat poison, they hear how great they are, and, and they are. They got a great team. You hear how great that defense is playing. But people have to remember, Alabama is an incredible team. They're an incredible coach. And, you know, they've been in, what, the championships in the last, like, they've been in championships almost every year. And I think people can't, can't forget about that. And I think that Georgia went into the SEC championship game assuming they were the number one team. And I said, guys, don't forget about Alabama. Alabama is very well coached. And don't eat that rat poison. And I, and I said, it's going to be a tough game for Georgia. I knew Georgia would lose. But I also said, and you can see what I told people this, that was the best thing for them. You had to get spanked. I think you had to get spanked and realize, guys, every day you have to play. I don't care when. Every day you step onto that field, you have to play. No one is easy. And I thought they'd go out against Michigan because Michigan and Georgia play almost the same. They're the same type of uh, uh, team. They, they're one of these guys, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, a quarterback, control the ball, have a very good defense and stuff. And I said, I think Georgia just at, uh, at this time had motivation. They had motivation to get Alabama. And I can promise you this, and people probably going to say they weren't doing that. I can promise you they were running some plays getting ready for Alabama when they were practicing against Michigan because I think they wanted Alabama. And if I was them and in their shoes, I would have been dying to get Alabama again. I, I tell you, I couldn't sleep. Well, you know me. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I would have thought about Alabama all the time, but I knew I had to take care of Michigan first. So Michigan, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but Michigan was just that stepping stone to get them to that next level. I mean, I love I love the Georgia story because of Stetson Bennett. Stetson came in as a walk-on at quarterback, and uh, I actually was covering a Georgia-Notre Dame game a few years ago and had a chance to talk. He's this little freshman, just a walk-on. Now he's like, I'm, I'm going to be the next Doug Flutie. I'm going to do this. I'm going to Then I'm looking at this guy. I mean, he was scrawny. I, I look like I could beat him up, right? And uh, son of a gun, if he, you know, he transferred, goes to JC, comes back, and, and getting it done. I'm just really happy for his story. The part that I want to talk to you about is how many how many times a game did you carry the ball in college? Thirty plus? Uh, well, thirty plus, but you know the ball isn't heavy. Uh, that's why I tell people all the time the ball isn't heavy. You know, I, I just had to get my job done. You know, I was very privileged to get a scholarship to go to Georgia. You know where I came from in Wrightsville, Georgia, and to go to Georgia and I played with some great guys. And you know, one of the things and I say this all the time, Doug, and it sort of hurts me a little bit today. And you know this, how in the world could someone like myself, Herschel Walker, win a Heisman Trophy three times All-American and get all these awards, but not one of my offensive linemen ever made All-American? Not one. And people never think about that. Not one of my offensive linemen ever made All-American, ever made all this, all that. And I said, guys, that just shows you right there sometimes when you're selecting people. You got to remember, I didn't do this by myself. I had a great offensive line that got after you, and, and that's the way Georgia played. And, you know, when I look at the national championship game against Notre Dame, I was embarrassed. You know the reason I was embarrassed? I, I happened to look at the game almost 30 years later. I shouldn't mention that and make me seem old. But our defense was on the field almost 40 minutes of the game. Our defense played almost the whole game. Our offense was hardly on the field. And I said, guys, I apologize. 30-some years later, I went and apologized to our defense I didn't realize how long they were on the field. And so that shows you right there that it wasn't all about Herschel Walker on that team. We had a great team. And I think that's what Georgia got right now is a great team. That's what Alabama got. It's a great team. 
they don't have great individual players. They have a great team, and I think that's what you want whenever you're going to play football. So was the time of possession lopsided because Herschel Walker was going like one run, 65 yards, no. touchdown, and give the ball back? <laughs> no, it, they... it was Herschel Walker. You know, I dislocated my shoulder the second play of the game, and it was it was interesting because I remember going to the sideline and the doctors telling me I couldn't play no more. And I'm a little bit kind of crazy because I'm, I'm laying it over to one side and my body's totally numb. And I said, why? He said, your shoulder's totally out of place and you're going to take surgery to put that in. And I remember coming from Wrightsville, Georgia. And I remember all the little kids there and, and stuff and how I grew up. And I said, guys, you know what? This is not going to stop me. I said, no, I come too far to turn around right now. And I had then to pop my shoulder back in place and, I just shook it off, like you said, rub some dirt on it and go back out there and play. And I said, that 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 sort of changed my life. And I want all the young kids out there to realize that, you know, you're going to get knocked down in life and probably more than you're going to have success, but always get up. You know, life is a hard, hard, hard thing. But you know what? You get up no matter how many times you get knocked down, because let me tell you what, you keep doing that, you'll see success somewhere. No doubt about it. There's no one. And I, I've said this before. All these success, whether it's Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, whether it's the president of the United States, whoever it is, there have been days in your life that you've been knocked down so hard that you aren't sure you can get out of bed the next morning and you don't want to face the day. There's everybody has had those days. Everybody has been through those sections of their lives. And it's how you handle adversity in life. I actually just saw, I don't know what, how many Rocky movies were there. It was one of the last ones where his son winds up fighting or something. But Rocky's talking to his son about that. He said, you're going to get hit. And everybody's going to get, life is hard. It's going to hit you in the face. But it's not, it's not about getting hit. It's how you react to it and how you keep moving forward and how you keep pushing. And, and that's what amazed me about your whole career, Hirsch, is that, you know, now you're looking at a whole nother aspect of life and moving forward. How do you approach taking the next step to things? Yeah, you know, and you know, man, the way I approach it is, you know, through God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've been blessed my whole life. I believe in the Lord Jesus. And it's not about what you do for yourself, but what, what you do for your fellow man. And, you know, so many people have done so much for me. They've sacrificed so much from my parents to people in my own town to my team. And yet now it's time for me to sacrifice and give people hope to give people a chance to say that, uh, you know, I can stand up as well. And if you can do it through me, I want you to do it. And you of all people, Doug, you know, you, you look at, look at the size you, you were and, you know, people say, Oh, you're too little. You're too little. You went out and did something because I don't know if people know this, but when you look at your winning percentage, you know, as a quarterback, you got one of the highest winning percentage of anyone as a quarterback or anyone playing in, in today's game. And you went out and played with a lot of heart. You play, you told people you can play. So you've shown everyone. And I think like Seth and Bennett, it doesn't matter about the size. It matter about your heart. It matter about what you do when you get out there. And you know, being a leader, you, when you stepped out on the field, you were a leader. And, and that's what counts. I think that's what people got to look at. When you get to this level here, like get a chance to go to college, you're now not that high school kid no more. You started becoming an adult. So you got to take leadership to yourself, responsibility of yourself to get out there and play. You know, you can be on the bench, but you, if you're going to be on the bench, be one of the best cheerleaders you can be over there on the bench. You got to be one of the best because it's a team. And if you're out there playing, be one of the best players you can play. And, and that's where I felt. No matter what I do, I'm going to show it ready to win. I tell people all the time, I don't like losing. I hate to lose. And that's the reason I don't play certain sports because I'm not good at it. 
you'll never see me out on a golf course playing for mo- no money because I'm a terrible golfer. I shoot in the upper 90s, so I'm not great at golf and stuff. I, and so I said, you know, I want to play at things I know I can win. For me, I thought I was fortunate. I was definitely fortunate to get a Division One offer. I was the little guy that really didn't belong. And you talk about, you know, I was just happy to be there. And when all of a sudden I got the opportunity to get on the field, I just went out and played and have fun. Things happen and it takes off. Um, and I was always jealous of the guy that had this raw, just athleticism, the guys that could run the four, three Herschel was a world-class sprinter, not to and he's big and str- all that. And then I look at a guy and I, I I'm working towards this um, because we, we mentioned it coming on uh, the Antonio Brown situation over the weekend of Antonio has all this athletic ability. I was out dancing with the stars with Antonio and we'd go out and throw routes. And I thought I was throwing the ball great. I really did. I thought I was hitting him in stride and all that. Then I accidentally overthrew him by about 10 yards. He hit another gear and went and got it. I'm like, oh, shoot, I've been underthrowing him the whole time. So anyway, my point is he's got all this athleticism, all this ability. What was your take on what happened on the weekend? when he You know what? I was sad and because I wasn't in, the, in on that team. I, I don't want to speculate. And, you know, what people are saying, something is wrong, this or that or whatever. And, you know, I work in, in uh, a lot of behavior health side. And, I, and the first thing I say is I love to talk to him if he's willing to talk to me and, and see if there's anything I can do because, you know, he's got so much talent. But this is not just about football. It's about his life because, you know, what happened Sunday, people don't understand it. And, you know, no one understood it. And so it's like, whoa, man, you're in front of an audience of millions and millions of people. And I know that's not how you want people to view you as someone that's quit, as someone that walked away. And maybe it it is, and it is, uh, excuse me for said anything but i love to try to whatever i can do to help him i want to do it and not put him down because i don't know what happened and you know and and but then to walk away from your team is very tough and i told someone this when you're my team you're my team i'm gonna i'm gonna go down fighting with you and stuff but uh you know when you walk away it's it's tough I agree with you 100 percent. And teammates are the first to care and reach out for each other the, the numbers of hours teammates put put in as far as working and being together and living around each other and you become family and you're wrapping your arms around each other and you do anything in the world for each other. You and I both look at that and say, that's different. And talking about the teammate thing just breaches all racial barriers. That's exactly else. right. That's the reason I decided to run for office. And you know that when they start trying to do this separation, this racial thing, and you and I thought of you like, you're my brother. You're like family to me. And I said, man, you know, Doug, uh, Todd Fowler, you know, they're, they're white guys. They're my brother. I would die for those guys. You know, you got nothing to do with anything that's got to do. You work your tail off like I work my tail off. It wasn't that you were privileged. Hey, Doug, you're 5'9". You think you were privileged? You busted your ASS to get to where you're at. And, you know, people don't know what you've had to go through. And, you know, and that's, so it's like they start bringing that up. I said, no, no, no. And it says like right now with Antonio. I guarantee a lot of his teammates love to reach out to him. But, you know, it's kind of hard being on the team because now you got to worry about your team. But, you know, that's why I say, you know, I, I don't know him that well. I love to talk to him. If he had talked to me, I love to talk to him. You know, you know I've been through all types of things. I still go through it. But I want to talk to him as a person, not just as a football player, because I want him in life to be good. I love people in life to be good. 
Yeah, I hear you. So what else you got going on off the field? Uh, I know you're running for Senate. We talked about that a little bit. What else you got going on? Well, you know, the Senate thing is probably the biggest thing I got right now. But, you know, I, I think it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. I don't think I would have said that when I was trying to pray to decide whether I was going to run or not. But now as I have gotten into it and talking to the people around the state, I realize this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, you know, I, 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 I talk to kids all the time about sacrifice. If you want to make good grades, you can't be on that iPhone. Like, guys, if you want to get an athlete, you can't, you can't just be out dating. You got to be working out. You got to be studying. You got to be doing this. And right now, that I need a sacrifice. Right now, this country is hurting. The state of Georgia is hurting. And I may have an opportunity that I can change some things. I may have an opportunity that I can say or give people hope. They let people know, you know what? Yes, this is a great country. United States of America is a great country. You know, it's so funny. Hey, don't talk about all this divide. You know, all these companies that want to get behind stuff like this. No, believe in yourself. Believe in each other. And let's come together and get this done. You can't get it done separating people. And if I can say that and get people to feel better, that's what I'm going to do. I had a chance, everybody out there, I had a chance to listen to Herschel talk about a month ago and he was impressive. I, you know, I knew Herschel and I joke around a lot. We've been friends for a long time. And when we, when he got up and spoke, I was, I was impressed. Muhammad Ali has nothing on you, Herschel. You got it. Okay. I'm going to have a little more fun though. We, we, I've had a bunch of older guys, my generation and even older, you know, the Roger Stallbacks of the world. Right. And we go back and talk about what was the worst locker room you ever went in? I talk about locker rooms in, in the CFL back in the nineties that were like four shower heads. The water didn't work. It was, there's no how all that kind of stuff. What, what was your locker room? Well, and you know, something I'm trying to think it may have been one year we went to green Bay and the locker room was so small. And that, that may have been, the I think it was green Bay. I hope it, I hope I'm not getting them mixed up, but I think when I went to green Bay, I think that one may have been one of the worst locker rooms I ever went into. I think they cram us into this little bit of locker room. I played in the CFL. I talk about Saskatchewan's locker room a lot. There was one one year Sacramento had a team in the CFL, and we went down to Sacramento. The room was basically a shed, and at halftime, we all just sat. There was like 10 guys inside, and the rest of us just sitting outside, leaning against the wall, having something to drink at halftime and talking. So it, it, how, about, how about worst playing conditions you've ever played in? Uh, I remember playing in Cleveland one year. It was sleeting. It was it was cold, and you know you couldn't get warm. And and uh, and I remember playing in Cleveland. And also, I remember this because I uh, I just buried my brother the day uh, before I played, and I and I flew up to Cleveland right after that to play because I knew that's what he wanted me to do. And it was just cold. It was just terrible. It was miserable. And Sherry wasn't just mad at you and made it snow and be cold for you. Yeah, I think it was. But I think we ended up winning, so that made it. <laughs> were, you, were you one of these guys that hovered by the heater? Yeah, No, I, I, no, I never did. Was. I was one of these guys that used a lot of Vaseline. I wrote Vaseline all over everywhere. I learned that I used to wear a windbreaker on the, the real windy days up in Saskatchewan and stuff like that. And I'd sweat inside, but then that halftime, that sweat would freeze on the cotton. You had to change your underneath stuff at halftime. Anyway, so what's going on? What's what's going to be the prediction for this week with Alabama, Georgia, and how the dog's going to do? Well, I, I give Georgia, even though you know, Alabama should have the edge, but I hate to tell everyone, uh, I told Bo this, and Bo got upset years ago when <laughs> Auburn was going to be playing Georgia. 
in the regular season. And I said, Bo, Auburn will beat Georgia in the regular season. And everybody in Alabama went nuts that I said that. And I said, but don't get too excited because they're going to play each other in the SEC championship game and Georgia's going to beat Auburn. And that's what I'm saying right now, that Alabama, yeah, they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. But I predict Georgia will end up winning this game by at least seven. What would it mean to the University of Georgia to win another national championship? Oh, it would mean, it would mean everything. You know, with recruiting. Right now, recruiting is so, so important. So with recruiting and, you know, with Atlanta Braves winning the, uh, the baseball championship, Georgia winning the, the college championship, and then Herschel winning the Senate, that's a, that's a, what, that's a trifecta. That is a good trifecta, Hurst. I wish you all the best. Uh, Thank you for coming on with me and hanging out and talking a little bit old times. By the way, I'm wearing my USFL stuff. I got my USFL shirt and a general's hat. The USFL is coming back in April. So you and I got to get involved in that as well and do some PR for it or something. We'll do something. Well, that'd be cool. I love it. Hey, great to see you, Doug. Hey, I want to invite you to a golf tournament right down in Florida. I'm going to be playing golf. Will do. All Let right. me know when you're back. All right. Anything I can anything I can potentially beat you at, well, I'll play. Well, you know what's so funny? <laughs> the way I play golf is I pick my ball up and I don't like the shot. <laughs> that works for me. That works for me. It's more about having the fun. Yes. All right, Hershey. Take care. Great All to right. See you. Now God bless now. Thank you guys. Thoroughly enjoy talking to Herschel. We get together once in a while. We talk a lot now, and I, I, I love having him on the show. Thanks so much, Herschel, for joining me, and I wish you all the best in your Senate run. Uh, let's move on over, Chris, to the Twitter world and see what's going on out there, see what people want to talk about. Yeah, we've got a few questions this week. The first one is, what are the similarities and differences between your guy, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees? Well, I consider them both my guys because Drew and I played together in San Diego and I love Drew to death. Uh, Number one is height. (laughs) Tom's a lot taller and Drew is barely six foot. But other than that, they still both throw the ball from the pocket well. They do all these things well. I think the number one thing that's similar is their preparation and the way they they go into a game. Uh, No stone unturned. Understanding of their own offenses, of getting you in and out of plays, which allows them to get through progressions quickly and all that. So their timing, anticipation, the quick passing game, that was a forte of Drew Brees all the way. That's something that Tom is exceptional at. And then Tom also decides when he's taking his shot. I think Drew relied early on on more hard play action type stuff to take his shots. I guess both of them do it. So it's very similar in that they, they take their shots down the field, but they pick and choose when to do that. Um, I think you know, when you draw those comparisons, the number one thing is their preparation. The thing that uh, amazes me is that Drew does it at six foot and that I know some of the limitations that that can, that can cause. Uh, I did some things protection-wise, sliding protections and whatnot to make things a little easier on me, go one side of the field, things of that nature. Drew never used it as an excuse. I will say this, that Drew uh, started making his name for himself in an era where everything was out of the shotgun, which opens up the field so much more and has allowed him to do all of that. But love both the guys. I think they're very similar. And the number one thing is their preparation. You can tell you're a fan of both guys, considering uh, in your Zoom screen there, you have both a Tom Brady <laughs> exactly. jersey. I didn't even Bruce think jersey. about I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah, I will say that Batman is wearing Brady and Robin <laughs> is wearing Drew Brees. So. Exactly. That's why, I t- that's why I called Tom Brady your guy. Drew Brees might be your guy as well, but I think I associate Tom Brady more with you. 
Second question. Are the Buffalo Bills officially back? And did they ever leave considering they have been in the playoffs four out of the last five years? They, they left us for a few weeks towards after the midpoint of the season for some reason. They've been very inconsistent. I, I worry about that come playoff time. I think they're back. I th- they're back as far as they have the ability to really make a run. They do. When they play well, when Josh Allen is in rhythm and throwing the ball, they look like world beaters to me. Um, how physical Josh Allen can run with the football and pick up tough first downs when you need it, as well as the big arm to make the plays down the field and everything else. The, the scary part with them has been the inconsistency, and you can't have that happen like it did last year. Uh, the playoff game last year, I, I just I shook my head because I thought they were a better team than that, and they didn't play their best football in the playoffs. I think having been there now and Josh Allen making that, you know, you, you get through a playoff and you learn from it. Uh, from a playoff game. And the next year you play a little more relaxed and you play a little more, um, actually more aggressive. I think you need to, I I know that I played passively in my first playoff game. And then after that, I just decided to turn it loose. And it's a fine line because you don't want to be turning the ball over, but you still, you can't, as a quarterback, you just cannot be afraid to take some risks and chances. And I think um, Josh Allen will play much better this year in the playoffs and make a better run at it. Next question. Do you think Toronto could ever get an NFL team if there was an expansion? I think with the NFL looking elsewhere for revenues and what they can do down down the road, that they're interested in making a move across the border. I don't know that it would work. The people of Toronto love their NFL football. I played in Toronto in the CFL. And even while we were playing and winning championships there, there are still more people talking NFL than they were talking CFL. You know, they, 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 they starve them. They, they want that. They want to be, uh, they want to feel big time and be a part of the NFL. The NFL would play the preseason game between Buffalo. I think it was Buffalo and Miami up there, but Buffalo would always play a preseason game up there. And even with that, they would have to give away a lot of the tickets to fill the seats. They really would. The, the, the ticket price was ridiculously high for that game. And a lot of people out there couldn't afford it. So they just didn't go. And uh, they wind up giving away a lot of seats to fill that stadium. And that's just once a year. So I think it would be a tough reach and, and ask because I don't know that they would support it. I know that the people of Canada love their NFL football. Um, but I don't know if the city of Toronto could, could support an NFL franchise. So hypothetically, if we were to expand the NFL beyond the U.S., you think the U.K., you think England would get a team before Canada? Um, That's a tougher to ask because now your team's got to travel across the ocean to go play a game. Yeah, that's the tough part. So, yes, I mean, you consider Toronto, you consider Vancouver, one of those two cities, you consider them. I just I, I, I really worry about the city itself being able to financially support that team year round. Um. I don't know where else you look, though, but from a from a player standpoint and a semantics, you, you'd love it to be just across the border up in Toronto. So it's just another flight. Much for, easier. Uh, you know, much easier to play some games. And I don't know if Mexico City would fall in that category, too. But, you know, if it does expand internationally, it would make more sense to go to Canada than elsewhere. Yep, I agree. And the last question for today, which is more of a comment uh, rather than a question, but we might get your thoughts on on what this person is saying, uh, they said, I traveled to San Diego from the United Kingdom, speaking of the United Kingdom, in 1998 to experience the Super Bowl in Chargers, then hometown. Didn't have tickets, just there for the show. Downtown, a park was converted to a beach for a Vets flag game. 
Who was QB for one side? Doug Flutie. You signed in San Diego the following year. Can you give us uh, any memories uh, that you might have from that? Yes, absolutely. That was uh, the amazing thing was I was still playing at the time. I was actually with Buffalo still. And uh, we started playing this charity flag football game. I've been now doing it for like 23, 24 years. Uh, we do it for Wounded Warriors Project and a few other charities. And I've been involved in that flag football game forever. And that was actually the first year we started it. It was in San Diego. Troy Aikman was the other opposing quarterback. Um, I have a very, very good record in flag football, by the way. I wish there had been a professional flag football league because that would have been my game. That's my game. I don't, that's the height and all that. <laughs> And the tough doesn't that's you know all out the window when it comes to flag football. That's why I say put some flags on me and let me stand back there and throw the ball. <laughs> um, no, that was a blast. It's been so much fun every year to do again this year. Los Angeles, uh, uh, we're doing it again. Uh, so I, I'm very excited about that. Uh, it's it's actually hosted by Sports Profiles, I believe the company that runs it, and uh, Celebrity Sweat. Lisa Levine is a woman that runs that and has done it for 23, 24 years now. And the majority of the funds go towards uh, Wounded Warriors Project. So it's all for a good cause. Perfect. And if anyone has any questions for Doug for uh, next week, hit him up on Twitter at Doug Flutie. Uh, and remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. The Flutie Flakes cast is a part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tom Crest. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Cliff Augustin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Thanks again for listening to the Flutie Flakes cast and join us again next week. Sirius XM Podcasts.